Welcome back to another edition of NFL Reacts. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. We had Thursday night football again, and I guess we'll discuss it. It was actually a pretty good football game between the New York Giants and the Washington football team. (laughs) Uh, I know the Thursday night slate's not really great. It's certainly not doing us any favors on this show over the next few weeks, but it actually wound up being a decent game last night. So we'll get into that a little bit. Uh, We need to discuss some of the biggest surprises and uh, biggest things that we're a little worried about after week one. And we've also got a fresh batch of NFL Reacts polls uh, to get to with a few shocking results that I was pretty surprised by. And after that, we'll go across the board, discuss some of our favorite week two plays and our top bets. But without further ado, I have to welcome in Kate Magic of DK Nation, as well as Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co., After Thursday night's captivating game between the Washington football team and the New York Giants, can we confirm Taylor Heineke is in fact a baller? Yes. Uh, I'm not not sold on the baller uh, just yet, but I I think we have to all be impressed. Like he didn't necessarily light it up like he did last year when asked to come in in the playoffs. Um, I think that was like one of those situations where you catch the defenses off guard, obviously the, the giants knew to plan for him, but he was able to get uh, a lot more done utilizing Terry McLaurin more heavily this game. I think that was a, a really nice uh, transition for him. Taylor Heineke though, is I think more, more of a capable quarterback than many will give him credit for. Yeah, I think he's proven himself as like an NFL guy at this point. If if not, I mean, he's not a starter. Um, he's not top thirty-two, but to be able to hang around as like a veteran backup and stuff, which is nice. Um, that money still good, still good. XFL forever, free PJ Walker. I'll never say a bad word about this guy. So that's my thoughts. Yeah, I mean, you had to be for for a guy who got thrust into a situation with like that for a team that people expect to be competitive. Like you got to be happy with what you're getting out of Taylor Heideke. Like that guy came out of nowhere last year and he won you a football game last night. Uh, I do obviously Terry McLaurin. We know Terry uh, has never had a good quarterback in his life. Maybe Taylor Heineke is the best option that he's had so far in his career. He was obviously Terry McLaurin now like the new Allen Robinson where he's just a great wide receiver, but never gets the opportunity to play with an elite quarterback. Yes, without a doubt. Terry is absolutely unbelievable. He deserves a good quarterback. I don't know if he's going to get a good quarterback. I thought maybe Fitzmagic had a chance to make Terry look good, but then he got hurt in week one. Uh, So we'll see how that unfolds with Taylor Heineke moving forward. And uh, maybe if Fitzmagic comes back at some point this season, but I do want to talk to you guys about, Antonio Gibson and Saquon Barkley. Now, both of these running backs haven't really manifested that RB1 fantasy potential that you drafted them with so far this season. And Saquon, yes, he's coming back from injury, didn't really have a training camp preseason as he was working his way back from the injury. And the Giants offensive line is not particularly good. So all of those things are working against Saquon right now. But I think there's a little reason to be concerned with him. You know, he broke off the 41 yard run last night, but then after that did just really nothing with a lot of his carries. And then Antonio Gibson's a guy that 
is projected to be, you know, an RB one breakout second year player where people were projecting him to have this like Christian McCaffrey type of role. And last night seemed like that took a step back. Like in week one, he was getting the targets. He was getting the looks in the passing game. But then last night it didn't really happen. So I'm curious how you guys like, are you guys concerned about these players moving forward? Obviously they still have a ton of potential in the regular season, but should fantasy owners be a little bit worried that they're not going to live up to their draft stock? So after the game, I thought Joe Thomas said something really interesting about Saquon and they had clips of it. And it was, it was what you were seeing in game. He had that one big run. And then other than that, he looked very hesitant. Um, once contact came into play, I guess is the way to say it. Um, Joe Thomas's whole point is that, you know, maybe Saquon's body is right, but his, his brain isn't necessarily trusting him to kind of go downhill and, and get the extra yards. Um, I think that's pretty fair. Uh, with that being said, Saquon has been a very good running back in the past. So whenever that clicks, I'm sure he'll be back to full force. But at least in the short term, um, I don't think we have like that version of Saquon yet. But it could kick in week three. It could kick in week 15. You just never know. I mean, it's an injury and like a comfortability returning from injury thing, in my opinion. Yeah, there's so much mental aspect to returns from these just mega big time injuries. Um, you know, even if your body's on the right track, uh, it takes a little bit of time before you're able to fully trust that you are fully healthy and that you can make those cuts and you can take those hits. Outside of Saquon Barkley's 41 yard run averaged, uh, I believe, 1.3 yards per carry on all of their touches, Yikes. just kind of got stuffed the entire game. So it's good that we saw um, that that 41-yard rush. Obviously, Saquon's a guy that does um, – he, he is one of those guys that will get stuffed and then burst for 50 yards. And I feel like that's sort of his playing style uh, at, you know, just career long. That's how he's worked. But I do think we are going to see him get more comfortable as the season goes on. The one thing that is encouraging is the jump and snap count. We saw him play – um, just around 50% of offensive snaps in week one that jumped up to right around 85% for week two, which is encouraging. So I think we, we saw the needle move already. It's just going to be a matter of time before he really breaks out. So taking a, another look at the giants, like this is a team that decided to invest a lot of assets this off season in trying to further Daniel Jones and, and make him, you know, your franchise quarterback. But through two weeks of the season, it's pretty apparent that the Giants are not set up to win right now, despite the talent that they might have on this roster. And it's pretty apparent that Joe Judge has no business being an NFL caliber head coach. Like they are just a team that continues to make poor decisions. And it does not look like the players respect Joe judge in any way. You got rookie Kadarius, Tony, your first round pick out here, calling, calling out the team on social media because he's not getting any playing time. It's just falling apart. And we're only into week two. It's it's Friday. It's a, it's not even Sunday yet. And Kenny Galladay's freaking out on the sideline. I've never seen Kenny Galladay like, act mad on a football field ever before and he's like yelling on the sideline um joe judge is supposed to be a special teams coach 
he messed up that end of game situation completely. Uh, I can't remember if it was neutral zone or offsides or encroachment even. Um, but they they turned a, a win into a loss on special teams. And that game wouldn't have even been decided by that point if he had decided to go for a two-point conversion earlier in the game and try to make it a seven-point game instead of a six-point game. But he decided to kick the extra point. So we have like two special teams awful decisions or awful results plus Kadarius Tony plus Kenny Galladay Matt like is this good for anyone does anyone think that this is the right thing to do and that the nightmare situation right for Giants fans is Joe Judge gets sold out right he's he's bad for the locker room Jason Garrett steps in and you get like a weird like three-week stretch out of like Daniel Jones and then it's like yeah, yeah, run it back for 2022. That's the nightmare situation for the Giants because I don't think they're ready to compete right now. Um, and the worst thing is to buy into the lie and just buy into the hope. Yeah, that's the, I hadn't even thought about the Jason Garrett scenario. Oh, they're sneaking in there, man. You got to watch out for the interest. Right? They're going to start like 0 and 4. It's going to be falling apart. The players are, there's going to be, you know, secret reports about how much the players hate Joe Judge and don't respect him. He's going to get fired. Jason Garrett's going to go on a run where they win like four games or something. And the players and are going to be like, I love this guy. He doesn't yeah. make us run laps when we drop yeah. a pass. And the Giants are going to convince themselves that, okay, Jason Garrett's the guy. Uh, oh, man. That's. That's got giants written all over it. <laughs> like it just as an organization, that's a hundred percent what's gonna happen. I had not even considered that for a second. It's gross. Yeah. Back on the Tony thing, I think he has a w- interesting. He's a he's in a weird spot, right? Because he got two receptions for minus two yards last week. This week he got twelve routes ran, didn't see a single target. And the worst part of all of it, I think, for Tony's perspective, is that. When they were trying to close out that game in the fourth quarter, he didn't get a single rep. All, all, all of those reps came first through third quarter, and then once crunch time came in, they just straight up pulled him off of the field. And this is after not targeting him at all. So I don't know what the plan for him is, but at the end of the day, I mean, we're two weeks in. He has two receptions, and it's minus two yards. I understand the frustration. It's just I don't, I don't know. I, when he was drafted, my immediate thought was, Someone needs to explain to me how Daniel Jones throws passes to Kadarius Tony, because that never really made sense to me. Their their playing styles are so different from each other. Where it's like maybe if Kadarius Tony was like with a Drew Brees or something like that, it would make more sense. But that's not what Daniel Jones is. He's throwing contested passes into RPO throws where the linebacker isn't even going, isn't even biting on the run. He's just throwing it up there into double coverage on a slant, basically. Um, it's not not great in New York, but they do run him, which is nice. Uh, I think he's probably better when they when they run him than when they don't. I think it's kind of like a Trubisky with the Bears type of situation where it's like he's not our long term starter. We're probably not going to pay him a big veteran contract, but if we're going to try to win games, we might as well run him because that gives us an edge somewhere on the football field. It's all falling apart already uh, on. Thursday night football week two of the NFL season for the New York Giants. So we'll we'll see how that goes throughout the season. I do think Justice just nailed it. Jason Garrett's gonna be this the head coach of this team uh at some point 
this season. I do want to talk to you guys about the San Francisco 49ers and specifically Kyle Shanahan. I get used to be in a fantasy football and gambling that you really despised Bill Belichick, like not because of his greatness, but because of his secrecy and you could never bank on who was going to be their key offensive guy. Like, which running back are they going to utilize this week? Because they'll use so many different guys. Or which wide receiver could you put into your lineup? Kyle Shanahan has officially overtaken Bill Belichick in that regard because Kyle and the 49ers in general are just insanely secretive. I, I don't know why sometimes. Like, you know, it's like the Mac Jones, Trey Lance thing where supposedly they thought the Patriots were going to trade up or whatever. And that's why they started all these rumors about they were taking Mac Jones. And it's just infuriating for fantasy owners and sports bettors because Brandon Ayuk is a guy who was being drafted as a high end sleeper breakout wide receiver. And then Kyle Shanahan just decides, oh, he didn't like the way Brandon was practicing and he gets 15 snaps in a football game and gives you a big fat zero in week one of the NFL season. And then, oh, Trey Sermon, who all throughout the preseason was this team's number two back, at least based off of what we watched in the preseason and what reporters were saying. And then he's a healthy scratch on Sunday and Elijah Mitchell comes out and has over 100 rushing yards after Raheem Mostert gets hurt. Now Mostert's out for the year. Kyle Shanahan did confirm today that Sermon will be active this week. So they're going to muddy it up even more. Uh, So, you know, maybe Sermon doesn't get a carry in the game. Maybe it's still Elijah Mitchell and Jamichael Hasty. But we honestly have no idea. And so I don't feel comfortable with this backfield. But fantasy owners are going out there putting a lot of their budgets into Elijah Mitchell. And it could easily be Trey Sermon. Kyle Shanahan for fantasy and gambling purposes, is the most frustrating head coach in the NFL right now for me. Yeah, he just does not seem to uh, give a rat's booty about our fantasy football teams. And you know what? Like, I get it. Um, I understand that head coaches, like, they're just trying to run uh, run their teams, which is great. But I will say it. we do have to uh, – you know, come on, like fantasy sports is what has basically revived the NFL as a league. Give us some bait. Give us something, my man. Like we are starved for information um, and it's a great way to keep fans engaged. So I do feel like that that sometimes gets left out of the out of the equation. But um, I mean, it's honestly just sort of a silly way to to treat your your second year wide receiver. I mean, Brandon Ayuk, uh, he is a former first round pick. And we all saw the look on Kyle Shanahan's face when he drafted Brandon Ayuk. Why, why are we acting as though he is the scum of the earth? Like Brandon Ayuk had a fantastic, fantastic rookie season when given the opportunity. I, I just think this whole narrative that he's creating is really silly. I think it just is kind of creating this drama within the locker room. That's completely unnecessary what are you doing Kyle Shanahan and it's also screwing up our fantasy teams I'm mad at Kyle Shanahan end of end of story we we are we are on a break we are on a break I'm shocked that the guy who uh hired a general manager fresh off a, a television broadcast booth with no experience of player personnel is taking control of his roster um 
This is kind of who this is who Kyle is. Like the doghouse is gonna be there. It's always gonna be there. Um, he's basically running the offense top to bottom from play calling, offensive structure, who the personnel is. I think this is kind of like Kyle Shanahan's show, and for whatever reason, Ayuk must have rubbed him wrong some way. And when you rub rub wrong uh, a dictator in that way on the offensive side, then you end up with short end of the stick. Um, it's weird that he just singles him out. They're like practicing in like uh, West Virginia right now, and I saw he was like, "What's his name? Sherfield." He was like, "Yeah, once Ayuk can beat Sherfield on the depth chart, he can start getting into games again." And I was like, "What the hell is going on here, man?" It it just seems like it's kind of an archaic way to treat your players, but Kyle Shanahan's so widely regarded as this incredible offensive mind, play caller, whatever. And I, I'm not saying that he isn't that. I, I do believe that he is, but he gets a pass, whereas like Joe Judge probably has no business being an NFL head coach, but Joe Judge treats his players like that, and it's Oh, yeah, we don't respect you at all. That's why we're terrible. But Kyle Shanahan gets a pass when he treats his players like that. And it's just it's infuriating because we know. Yeah, we know Brandon Ayuk is extremely talented. We saw it. Uh, It was good to see my guy Debo ball out, but it was very frustrating for people who drafted Brandon Ayuk as a, a top end like caliber player on your fantasy teams, because I think Brandon Ayuk can beat that. And so uh Kyle Shanahan danced around him starting this week, but it sounds like Brandon Ayuk is going to be their starting uh, number two wide receiver. So hopefully he gets in the game. Uh, uh, Obviously you want to get these guys in. You just have no idea who they're going to lean on and who you can rely on week to week. And it just feels like that's kind of the risk you're taking every week, starting any San Francisco 49ers in your lineups. Um, I do want to get to uh, our fresh batch of NFL reacts polls. We got some good ones this week and some shocking results on our first question. Do you agree with Matt Nagy's decision to sit Justin Fields and start Andy Dalton? Yes, no, or unsure are your options. 44% of you over 450 people said yes. They agree with his decision to sit Justin Fields and start Andy Dalton. And over not an overwhelming majority, but a majority of you think that he made the right call here. What are we doing? Is it just because you were scared of Aaron Donald and the Rams? It doesn't make any sense. No one if believes is, that's the right decision. What what are we doing here? Bill Lazor even said this week that, you know, Justin Fields was able to do everything in in uh in camp, so of course he's able to do everything in the regular season. What are we doing? So is Bill Lazor trying to become like the interim? We just talked about Jason Garrett, right, as the interim in New York. I wonder if Lazor is trying to become that in Chicago. But all of this is just about Matt Nagy's job security. It, that's all this is about. And I don't understand how that many people voted that it, it was the right decision to not not play Fields. I don't know how many times Collinsworth got into the uh, SB Nation voting site, but. It's definitely a weird situation where, you know, Nagy, all he has to do this year, the entire point of this season for Matt Nagy, the entire point is to prove that he will not fail Justin Fields. And if he can prove that, he can hit the offseason still with the head coaching tag. And if you have the head coaching tag, 
you're not going to get a lame duck season, especially after you drafted a quarterback in the first round, which means you're going to get an extension. And I just don't understand the people who are okay with it. It's just compete, compete in the first Sunday night football game of the season is all I'm asking. Fight back, please, even the slightest. Um, he said something about, yeah, he's a fun chess piece to have on game day. You you spent four <laughs> picks on him. Two first rounders. You spent four picks on this guy. What are you talking about? He's a cool chess piece to use for three snaps a game. Grow up. No, compete. Fight back. He's a cool chess piece. Yeah, we traded up to draft him. He is potentially our franchise player moving forward. And oh, if he's really successful, he could save my job. But I'm not going to put him in the football game. It does feel like our NFL reacts polls got infiltrated by Collins like wins. some he Chicago had every, Bears. Yeah, every PFF guy in there <laughs> voting. I know it. I am curious, Justice. Like, how do you feel about the teams like the 49ers and the Bears that use Justin Fields and Trey Lance like situationally. I, I tend to think while those guys scored touchdowns in week one and, and looked good in the limited snaps that they had, I just think that crushes the momentum that your starter had. I, I hate when teams do that personally. Yeah, so so we had like an interesting thing that happened in the XFL with that. Um, Tressman was rotating quarterbacks. He basically had a running quarterback and a passing quarterback in Tampa, and he actually had to give up play calling duties. Um because he thought it was too much to manage basically two different offenses at the same time. Right. And this is a guy who'd been a former NFL coach um, before. So maybe, maybe that's one of the worries. I don't necessarily understand how like that structure would impact you on game day um, in terms of that, but it's something that they talk about. I understand Trey Lance more than Justin Fields, just because he's like a downhill runner and you can use him as like a plus one in the run game especially short yardage and at the goal line. So I kind of understand that one a little bit more. Like if you're using Justin Fields, we just saw this with like Lamar too, you know, his rookie year in Baltimore. And if he's getting used like that, he probably doesn't need a package. He probably needs to start the game. It, that That's what it comes down to. And at the end of the day, these players are going to get better with reps and if you know anything about like the structure of like NFL practices and stuff, the backups are hardly getting any work um, in terms of like the actual like game planning stuff. So outside of those packages, Fields probably isn't getting that many looks in practice. So I don't, I just don't understand why you would think, you know, we're we're waiting for him to become Tom Brady. Well, that's not going to happen if he's on the bench. You know, that's not going to happen if he's not getting practice reps. So I just don't understand why we're believing this like uh smoke and mirrors game that Nagy's doing right now. Yeah. I, I almost understand what the 49ers are doing more than what the Chicago. For sure. For sure. And you know, it's Mac Jones looked good in his regular season debut, but I'm sorry if Mac Jones is ready to start week one, then Justin Fields is ready to start week one. Like Justin Fields belongs on the football field. Justin uh, Fields has been that dude since high school. Yes. Since high school. And and now we're pretending, yeah, he just he just needs he just needs to sit. It's not even he needs reps to get ready. It's yeah, he just needs to sit. It doesn't make any sense to me. Let let the boy play. I want to squeeze in one more question before we take a quick timeout. Uh, what's your MVP prediction 
after week one. I tried to use the top candidates uh, as they're being projected, so we didn't like overreact to the week one performances. But our options are Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, or Matthew Stafford. I was a little shocked by the results here. Uh, even though I know Matthew Stafford has been kind of moving up and he looked really good in his debut for the Rams. Uh, he came in third on this poll with 24% of the vote. Patrick Mahomes, number one, 39%, uh, not a shock. Or Matthew Stafford was second, actually, not, not third, sorry. Kyler Murray was third with 20% of the vote. Tom Brady, 13. Josh Allen with 3% of the vote. Not a shock that Patrick Mahomes was number one. But I was a little shocked that Matthew Stafford, after one performance has climbed up to number two in the MVP race in the eyes of our NFL reacts community. That, yeah, those are a little odd. Uh, Stafford and Kyler, um, that might be week one reaction, right? Or overreaction right there. Kyler had a great game. Tennessee's in flux. Uh, they lost a lot more on defense than a lot of people realize. Um, at the end of the day, Cliff Kingsbury still is head coach. So I don't know if he's going to be able to, especially in the NFC West, um, be able to have that kind of resume to have uh, an MVP season. Um, Stafford looked great. Uh, They're getting deep shots to like Van Jefferson going now, which, okay, if the Rams could do that, then they really might be like Super Bowl contender good uh, up there with like Niners and Bucks in the NFC. So I kind of understand that. That's still a little too uh, rich for my blood, but it's it's Mahomes, man. Mahomes is coming off the best three three year stretch uh, in NFL history, and he got one MVP for it. He's due for another one. So until someone like actually overtakes that crown, I'm just gonna assume that it's Mahomes. Um, shouts to you for for dropping Aaron Rodgers off the list entirely after one week. There we go. Um, to be it fair, came down, it came down to very him and fair. Josh Allen. I gave Josh Allen the nod over Aaron. Well, Josh had a better game than Aaron. So I, I think that was more than fair. I just think it's funny that I, I was looking up the odds. Uh, it was either last night or the night before, just scrolling on the little app. And um, I saw Rodgers for MVP is like plus 1,600 right now. And just what a brutal week one after <laughs> winning the MVP. That's a, that's a tough pill to swallow where it's basically like, yeah, you're, you're ruled that you've done so much damage to your box score stats off of that first game that it's almost impossible for you to repeat as the MVP this season. Yeah. That's tough. <laughs> it was bad. Like he's, he's got to just be yes. perfect. Like the rest of the way uh, I do. Matthew Stafford did look really good in his first game for the Rams. And I saw some people trying to downplay that performance. Like, Oh, well, when you have wide receivers that are wide open, of course you throw a lot of touchdown passes, but it's like, yeah, but the wide receiver, Sean McVay's always been able to do that. Jared Goff just had limitations, and now he's got a quarterback that doesn't have limitations, so he's going to hit those guys downfield. Like, it's Sean McVay's always been able to scheme people open. It was just a matter of the guy that was throwing them the passes was afraid to look down the field. Matthew Stafford will sling it. So... Like, I'm really excited about Matthew Stafford after week one. If he stays healthy, the Rams might be a problem. I mean, they were playing the Bears, and the Bears are terrible. But, yeah, Matthew Stafford might be a problem. So I still think it's shocking that he he jumped up that much in the eyes of the Reacts community. But, hey, I hope he keeps it going. I would love to see Matthew Stafford 
go on like an MVP caliber season after all of those uh, year terrible years that he had in Detroit. Uh, Absolutely. Um, One thing too is McVay. Do not lose sight of the fact that he fell so out of love with uh, Jared Goff last season. That remember before that that the playoff stretch, there were like ESP like Seth Wickersham or something like wrote like an article about how they're like yeah you know John Wolford. Like he he might be the guy to start for him this playoffs because he's just tired of he's just tired of golf and everything has to be right for golf. You can't make one mistake play calling wise and at least Wolford can move around a little bit. Well, Matthew Stafford can blow off the top of a defense. I mean, we're seeing that with some of these deep throws. Some of those guys were running wide open and golf isn't throwing those balls. So now that Stafford's hitting those, I mean, this is a type of team that like might be able to put up. I don't know. 4,500 yards passing and off of play action. That's so threatening. If you can get a lead, run the ball, and then just Matthew Stafford, once you start committing to the run, can just blow off the top of your defense like that. That's unfair. And Sean McVay looked so happy on the sideline of that football game. Like every time Stafford came off the field after throwing a touchdown pass, it was like Sean McVay had a lot of like, LeBron meme, like I can't believe this is my life energy going on. on he was doing that in Mexico. Remember when they made the trade for him and they were just yeah. like hanging out in Mexico? They're like, ah, yeah. oh, I can't believe it. We're really gonna do it. Linking up the crew. Yeah, he was so happy. Like Sean McVay is the happiest he's been in a long time right now. And it was apparent on Sunday night football. I do want to take a quick timeout when we get back. We will have a few more NFL reacts polls and we're going to go across the board, discuss some of our favorite NFL week two bets as well as my fantasy sleepers. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Y'all about to get ready to roll, man. Y'all put the kids to bed. I'm getting one more. Over. Under. I'm betting on myself. Across the board. Welcome back into NFL Reacts. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. I'm joined by Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. We lost Kate. Uh, she's doing fine. Just having some internet issues. So we'll talk to Kate again next week. She'll be back. She's got a couple of fantasy sleepers that I'll mention here in a couple of minutes. But I do want to get back in to these NFL reacts polls. 
Next question, which division is the best in football? AFC West, NFC West. Obviously, both of those divisions after week one, all 1-0. All of those divisions have teams that you expect to be good. Well, I don't know if I trust the Raiders all that much, but they all look good right now. But pretty overwhelmingly, everyone believes the NFC West is the top division in football. They got 66% of the vote, over 685 votes going to the NFC West. I agree because I don't buy the Raiders week one win. Like we talked about it last week. That game was screaming Raiders over Ravens. Ravens just dealing with too many injuries. And now they're even more banged up headed into week two. Like it seemed like an easy pull to grab the Raiders in that game. And so I'm not sold on what they're doing. I'm still, you know, we'll see what's going on with the Denver Broncos. I just think the NFC West clear top to bottom, each and every team talent wise is just a step above everybody else in the NFL. Yeah. When Arizona is your fourth team and they can just drub the Titans like that, uh, that that's a pretty good sign. I'm still not totally sold on Denver either. Um, I want to see them, who they play week one? They play Giants. We 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 just came off a Giants game. Uh, I'm not I'm not sh- sh- sold that their win uh, means anything over them. So, you know, Denver. I'm a little worried about the Raiders. I'm a little worried about um, the Chiefs and Chargers. Get played down to the wire. Um, so, I definitely give the nod to the uh, NFC West at this point in the season. Um, I just trust all. I trust three of their teams compared to the AFC West, where I trust like two of them. Um, and then Arizona for me is the iffy one. But you know, if Arizona is the worst thing that you got, and you win a blowout in Week One, uh, there's a lot worse ways to go about it. And Arizona looked fantastic in Week One, but you yeah. mentioned the Titans defense. We knew it was suspect headed into that game. And it looks real suspect after that. But Kyler Murray was absolutely fantastic. And that leads so us to our next question. Uh, would you rather have Kyler Murray or Justin Herbert as your team's starting quarterback right now? Justin Herbert eking out the win over Kyler Murray with 60% of the vote. Kyler Murray coming in strong uh, after that week one performance. But people are still sold on Herbert over Murray right now. I think I would take Justin Herbert as well. I think Justin Herbert is exceptional. He looked exceptional in week one, but I was surprised by Kyler. Kyler was dialing things up, making throws, uh, that elusive deep pass that he had where he dodged a Tennessee Titans defender like five times before he threw the ball was absolutely incredible. So I think Kyler's going to climb. On, on this poll, if we kept this running for a while, I think Kyler might, if he continues to play like this, he could make a run at Herbert in some people's eyes. Yeah, completely independent of this conversation, right? Kyler Murray is a great football player who has a bright uh, bright future. Um, the problem is we're comparing him to Justin Herbert right now, who looks like he, he's going to be some sort of like deep passing savant. Um which is very weird coming out of, I mean, I'm an Oregon fan. I got to watch him at Oregon. Um, there were flashes of that, but that's not what the offense was structured to do. So it's kind of hard to evaluate in that way. The Chargers have done everything right with him. And uh, in terms of the deep passing game, everything's in rhythm. Um, everything is, if it's not right on the money, it's within a foot. Um, so I just think that like what we're seeing with Justin Herbert is, and not to be overreactionary, but like, 
go back and watch like old Dan Marino stuff. Uh, it's pretty close, man. It's pretty close. I think the upside um, for Justin Herbert's bright future is is super high, just incredibly high. I, I think we're talking about a guy who, you know, might be an MVP candidate, um, not necessarily this year, but at some point in the near future. And then Kyler obviously has very has a very high upside too. The problem is I just don't think that structure around him is is built to win right now. So it's it's kind of hard to compare, you know, apples to apples there. Yeah, we've talked about how we don't really trust Cliff Kingsbury. And I, Kyler looked fantastic <laughs> in week one, but I still think Cliff is going to wind up holding him back this season. I think Cliff is holding that team back. Like, obviously, the Arizona Cardinals – are a really talented football team. So we'll see how that continues to develop. Uh, to develop. I think Justin Herbert is, yes, exceptional. I think there's a case to be made that Justin Herbert is the second-best quarterback in football behind Patrick Mahomes right now. But it's we got to see the translation of wins and all that stuff. I get it before people really want to make that jump. But if we're just talking about play and passing ability and playmaking ability, I don't think anybody's better at it right now outside of Patrick Mahomes than Justin Herbert. Like he, he's just absolutely nuts. And he, he might be better in rhythm, honestly. I, out of rhythm, definitely, I mean, is a huge part of Mahomes' game. But in terms of in-rhythm passing, it's hard to be better than what Justin Herbert is doing right now. Um, I know a lot of people will say, like, they'll talk about the quality of opponent week one. But, I mean, we, we saw what he was able to do as a rookie, which was incredible and I don't I think people lose a lot of context for like the rookie stuff. When when you're starting a rookie, you're basically assuming this guy's gonna be in the bottom third of the league uh his first year. And Justin Herbert wasn't that. So if the arrow is only pointing up here forward for Justin Herbert's career, the, the sky's the limit. Yeah. Herbert did that last season with a terrible offensive line. And they went out, they invested in the offensive line, and his offensive line looked really good in week one. So that's gonna be a problem. For the NFL, uh, the rookie wide receiver class really showed out in week one of the NFL season. The top three rookies, especially Devonte Smith, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, all scoring touchdowns, all looking good in their regular season NFL debut. So we asked you guys which rookie wide receiver has the best season long outlook after their big NFL debuts. And you guys are buying into Jamar Chase now after we spent the entire preseason offseason Oh, Jamar can't catch the football. He's dropping everything in training camp. He can't see the football because it doesn't have white stripes. Jamar Chase came out in bald week one. You guys, 44% of the vote chose Jamar Chase leading this thing. Devontae Smith coming in at 38%. Jalen Waddle coming in at 17%. I'm not shocked by those results. I think all of these guys have a chance to be exceptional NFL wide receivers, but I am a little bit surprised that it was Jamar Chase by a decent margin after we spent the entire offseason kind of dissecting how the Bengals made a mistake by taking him with the number five pick in the draft. Yeah, and Chase is a good player, and I'm happy he got uh, that monkey off of his back. I mean, it's just hard. It, it's It's weird when narratives become constructed, and then it's like the player is aware that you're aware of the narratives and he's talking about, you know, Hey, I'm going to buy a jugs machine and stuff. And it's like, Whoa, 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 Chase, let's get your confidence back. Um, it's nice to see everything break right for him, uh, for a change, you know, at the NFL level. Um, I was a big waddle guy coming out in the draft. Um, 
he's probably the wide receiver I would have taken first out of any of the three. Just thought, I like shiny things. He has a lot of speed. Um, as a punt returner, he probably, if he was healthy, probably would be like a Devin Hester level punt returner in terms of his legacy in college football. Um, but obviously, you know, injuries kind of took hold. But the one guy that I was probably more impressed with than what I had thought of them pre-draft was Devonta Smith, just because I had worried about, you know, his size, obviously, translating to the next level. Um, I know everyone, once Tutu came into play, everyone started talking about Tutu size because he's like 150 pounds. But Devonta playing at the NFL level at, you know, once a little north of 170 uh isn't um normal either and what he did for the eagles was really impressive uh i think he's gonna have a bright future i don't know how often the eagles are actually going to be passing this year um i think that atlanta game was a, a great showcase for the philadelphia eagles to just be able to beat up on a team that is unserious about competing right now but we'll see moving forward um, if they get into negative scripts. I think we'll be seeing a lot more Devonta deep shots uh, in our future. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if we do this, you know, next month, maybe Devonta's number one on the list. But all three of them are, are, are good football players and they all have bright futures in the NFL. It's it's splitting hairs at this point in their careers. Yeah, I I think all three of them are fantastic players. Uh, I do want to see some Devonta Smith deep shots. Please make that happen, Jalen. Our final NFL Reacts question, which rookie quarterback will have the best week two performance? Uh, we're going to pose these every week. Hopefully at some point throughout the season, we'll get to add Trey Lance and Justin Fields to this poll. But as of right now, our options are Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson. Mac Jones and Zach Wilson, of course, playing each other this week as the New England Patriots take on the New York Jets. Trevor Lawrence has the Denver Broncos. And Mac Jones support again, running rampant through these polls. Mac Jones running away with this thing with 59% of the vote. Trevor Lawrence coming in at number two, Zach Wilson in at number three. I don't like Trevor Lawrence's matchup at all. I would, I would have voted Zach over Trevor in this thing, but people love them to Mac Jones right now. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's becoming more and more apparent every week on this show. He's looking good. It's, it's hard to hate on the guy. Um, like I said uh, earlier, you know, in the offseason, I, I kind of thought Mac Jones's upside was going to be Kirk Cousins. But the more you watch him play, um, the more it seems like he understands the offense in a different way. And when you can operate like that, you can start doing, you know, we just talked about Dak Prescott being able to do that with limited arm strength. Um Mac Jones has more arm strength than Dak Prescott has right now. Um, you know, obviously Dak's hurt, but if he's able to operate like that and it's just I'm making the right decision every single time, there's no reason why he couldn't be like a uh, Drew Brees type of distributor, not necessarily him matching that type of production, but the style of play on the field. Um, I definitely would pick Mac Jones here. Uh, it was a tough one for the Zach Wilson podcast, uh, the official Zach Wilson podcast uh, in the first half. Wasn't looking too good. Uh, he took six sacks uh, over the course of the game, but he definitely looked a lot better in the second half than he did the first half. Um, still very optimistic about Zach Wilson, you know, season long uh, in terms of like looking impressive as a rookie just off of that athleticism and the structure of that offense. But in terms of the matchups this week, Trevor Lawrence against Denver, not touching that at all. Um, no. I, I, I think that no. Denver offense is too good for how unserious Jacksonville is right now. And then the New England Jets matchup, 
I mean, if we're just at, at this point, I'm looking at the opposing defenses more than I'm thinking about the quarterbacks in this situation. And the Jets defense is just it's not ready, man. It's not NFL ready. They they have like you and me out there at corner right now, and sh- they're banking on backups essentially, like NFL backup quality players to to push the pocket. Um, not a great spot for the Jets defense to be in. I wouldn't be surprised if this ends up turning into a shootout, and like Zach Wilson is just like, yeah, I'm not going to roll over and just let you have the win. But I think Mac Jones is probably going to end up having the better stats at the end of the day. Well, that's actually a perfect spot to transition to one of my favorite sleepers this week in fantasy football, and that's New England Patriots wide receiver Jacoby Myers. Uh, He was kind of quiet in week one. It's a tough matchup against a Miami Dolphins secondary that's very talented. But as Justice just mentioned, that New York Jets secondary is brutal. It's just not a good secondary. They're a really young football team, and they look like a young football team that's still trying to figure out how to play together. And Jacoby Myers, although he was quiet last week, quietly led the New England Patriots in targets. I think he's one of the most talented wide receivers that they have on their roster, and he's shown that he can produce at the NFL level. And Jacoby Myers is in for a big week two of the NFL season. Yeah, hopefully he can eat a little bit more against, you know, I I, I think the Jets are going to be playing a lot more soft zones um, than Miami does. You know, Miami's kind of known for for – trying to lock guys up in man. Um, so, hey, man, if you're able to do things against the Dolphins, you're probably going to be able to do them against the Jets because those soft zones are going to be open and the pass rush just isn't there. And if Mac Jones is able to hit things in rhythm and that's his calling card, then you should be able to just basically have like 80% completion percentage against this team. Yeah, I, I, I love what Jacoby Myers is bringing to the table this week. Another wide receiver that I'm high on this week, but this is more of like a dart throw in your daily lineups. Like I'm not saying plug Let's hear it. Let's Chiefs hear it. wide receiver, McCole Hardman over Allen Robinson. Like I told you to put LaVisca Chenault in over Allen Robinson last week. Although I do believe LaVisca wound up having a few more yards than Allen Robinson, even though they both underperformed in week one, McCole Hardman, he was not very involved in week one of the NFL season, that's kind of the tape on McCole Hardman. It's just he's going to be inconsistent in this Chiefs offense. He's never going to be a guy that gets like 12 targets in a game. He is a 5-6 target wide receiver for this offense. But the reason I like him this week, he has played the Baltimore Ravens twice so far in his young career. The first time he played them in 2019, 83-yard touchdown from Patrick Mahomes. When they played last season, 49-yard touchdown from Patrick Mahomes. The Baltimore Ravens tried to key in on Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, and we've seen them get exposed for long touchdowns by McCole Hardman in back-to-back seasons. They're not going to key in on McCole Hardman because nobody goes into a game against the Chiefs and says, we got to shut down McCole Hardman. They're going to try to shut down Kelsey and Hill that's going to leave the down-the-field stuff open for Hardman at some point in this game. He's going to get at least one long touchdown. It's a good, cheap, daily fantasy option. There we go. I I really do like that one, too. Um, if anyone watched that Monday night game, I mean, you got to see how often uh, or really how aggressive the Baltimore Ravens are in crunch time, right? If they need a play, what they're going to – they're not playing coverage. They're blitzing, and they're, they're, ho- they're hoping that your quarterback can't make the play. And that he's playing left-handed. Well, 
if this is Kansas City's left hand being, you know, hey, Patrick Mahomes could break a tackle and get outside the pocket. And, uh, oh, yeah, also McCole Hardman runs like a 4-2. That, that's not a bad left hand to have. So I completely understand that, especially matchup-wise. Um, again, Baltimore cannot be understated. They played like a full five quarters, and they're, they have one fewer day uh, of rest going into this. Um, so I think this is a spot where the Chiefs, Chiefs might run away with it a little bit. I think that the Chiefs are going to be able to put up a lot of points against a very injured Baltimore Ravens team this week. Before we get out of here, I want to give you guys Kate Madjuke's fantasy sleepers for week two of the NFL season. Uh, Chargers wide receiver Mike Williams had a very nice week one performance. He had 12 targets in that game that led to eight receptions, and he gets the Dallas Cowboys this week. You start your wide receivers against the Dallas Cowboys, so I totally agree with Kate's pick there. Uh, Cowboys secondary, just not particularly good. We saw what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did to them. You can pass on that secondary. And then Kate likes Javante Williams against the Jaguars. He did get a fair amount of work in week one of the NFL season, but Melvin Gordon led the way. I actually like the pick here, too, as well by Kate. I don't want to put words in her mouth, but... I would make this pick solely because I assume that this is going to be a blowout game and Javante Williams is going to get plenty of opportunities against a terrible Jags defense to potentially punch one in the end zone or something. Oh, Jacksonville. Oh, Jacksonville. The the honeymoon lasted what? A couple months? I don't even know if the the honeymoon ended before the regular season even started, right? As soon as Urban touched down in Florida. It's not. Did you see, did you see the photos today? They did like a thing where they were like, let's go in Urban's house. Oh, his coffee table. The coffee table with a coffee table. 50 pictures on a coffee. There's too much clutter, Urban. There's too much clutter. It had like manic live, laugh, love energy (laughs) in that house. It it was too much for me. I, I didn't enjoy it. It's like, that that's like an alien that's wearing like a human skin suit, like trying to convince you they're normal and, and that they're they're just regular people. Like, oh, oh, put out all the pictures. They'll love that. Puts out 50 pictures on a coffee table that's in the middle of the room. A psychotic behavior. What are we what are we doing, Urban? Uh it's nuts. Uh do you want my uh gambling picks this week? Yeah, let's get them. All right. Th- these two are these two are the same game in terms of the reasoning, right? So San Francisco uh, minus three at Philadelphia, the Rams minus three and a half at Indianapolis. My analysis here is pretty, pretty cheap, right? It's the Niners and the Rams are Super Bowl contenders. Um, I don't, I think we're generally underrating them. And I don't know if it's because the NFC West is so tough, but in terms of out of division games, I mean, they should be, right up there with everyone else. They should be right up there with Kansas City. They should be right up there with Tampa Bay. Um, and I just don't think the Eagles or the Colts are very serious teams on offense. Uh, I, if if you're giving me, hey, four points covers either of those games, I'm going to take it every single time. Um, next game, the Raiders. I got them again, six and a half at uh, Pittsburgh. You know, Pittsburgh changed their offensive structure a lot, but – the feedback that we got after week one is that Ben Roethlisberger still Ben Roethlisberger. He's just going to be a distributor point guard type of guy. Um, I think the Ravens or the Raiders are a quality football team and offensively they should be able to go par for par with these guys. So if they're six and a half point favorites, 
you're just betting on them not losing by a touchdown or more. I, I really like that one. Um, next one, Dallas Cowboys at the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, the Chargers are three-and-a-half-point home favorites. I like the Chargers there. Did we just, like, forget that Dak Prescott's arm didn't look right? Did everyone just collectively forget that? Um, yes. I, it, it, it's weird that, like, yeah, it, he's not right, guys. I, I, I would very much not like to uh, bet on the Cowboys as long as Dak Prescott's arm is like that. Um, with that being said, you know, the Chargers – the Chargers are able to hit kind of every cylinder, I think, in that last game, which kind of shows their upside. And if that's what, if that's how rusty they look week one, I, I'm very excited to see what they look like once they're like rolling midseason. Um, at the end of the day, uh, the biggest thing after the Dak Prescott uh, arm strength thing that I wanted to talk about was that you know they only hung into that Tampa Bay game because of the, t- the five turnovers. That's the other perspective that that I think we've lost after a full week of NFL action where we're like mentally not thinking about last week's Thursday night football game. Um, I just think the Chargers are a better team overall. So I'm I'm taking that one. And then my last pick, Kansas City Chiefs, minus three and a half on the road at the Baltimore Ravens. We talked about it a little before. You know, I just think the Chiefs are probably the best team in football. Um, they figured out, hey, now we can beat bullies in the run game. That's not very fun for anyone else in the league. The fact that Miko Harmon is their, you know, left-handed option is not fun for anyone in the league. Baltimore is banged up. They're coming off of a five-quarter game. They're coming off of a one fewer day of rest. I just think this is a situation where uh, we've seen Patrick Mahomes perform in these big-time games, and for whatever reason, Baltimore hasn't in these big time games and things are trending for uh i guess those trends to keep continuing he's justice mosqueda of acme packing co you can follow him at j-u-m-o-s-q if you want some gambling tips uh film breakdowns or if you want to check out what he's doing at acme packing co for sb nation i'm steven serta that's where you can find me on twitter if you want to tweet at me some fantasy lineup questions whatever i'm happy to go back and forth with you Thank you guys so much for listening to NFL Reacts. We'll talk to you next week.